On the Record with White House Correspondent April Ryan. All right, we're in the next installment of On the Record with April Ryan. And today I'm so pleased to have with me uh, a great man, Congressman Lacey Clay out of Missouri. Congressman Clay, thank you so much for joining uh, me for a time such as this. Thank you for having me back on to uh, April. It's time for that we catch up. You know, yeah. is, uh, we have just we're just coming back into session from our two plus week break uh, here in Congress. So I'd like to see if I could get you up to speed on what's about to happen. It's like every moment there's something new, and and it's hard to stay abreast. So we're going to break this down in layman's terms for everyone. So let's deal with your neck of the woods first. Um, we have now had the impeachment vote. Nancy Pelosi feels that there's some... some uh, something dirty going on in the Senate. It will not be fair if they have an impeachment trial, which is different from the hearings. And she feels that if they're not going to allow for, uh, uh, what do you call witnesses to testify and the fact that it's already a pre-gone conclusion, pre-drawn conclusion from Mitch McConnell that he will acquit the president, that there's no reason to send the articles over. But now in the meantime, Mitch McConnell is saying, hey, you know, we can proceed with a full vote to dismiss all of this, even without the articles. What say you about all of this? Well, first of all, the president violated his oath of office. He broke the law. He tried to cover it up and he got caught. And one of the best political tacticians I've ever ever encountered is uh, Speaker Pelosi, and I fully support her demand that Leader McConnell do his duty to provide a fair trial in the Senate with witnesses. And I really don't understand why the the Republicans are still trying to help perpetuate this cover-up. If the president did nothing wrong, then let the witnesses testify. And that includes John Bolton. For months uh, here in the House, the Republicans have been screaming that none of the witnesses who testified at the House impeachment hearings had direct knowledge of what the president did and why. Well, Ambassador Bolton was literally in the room when all of this happened, and the American people deserve to hear what he has to say. At the end of the day, the House has impeached the president. He is now um, in the list of those who've been impeached. He can say he wasn't impeached, but it has happened. Um, But can you go back and hear John Bolton yourselves in the House um, and, and, and create some new um, articles, because I mean, we're hearing that there could be a third article, obstruction of justice. Is that something that's being contemplated by your knowledge? Well, and and here's how I view it: is that if Mitch McConnell won't do his job, then maybe Chairman Adam Schiff can help him out on the House side by inviting Ambassador Bolton to testify before us. Because I I, I believe, like others, that. Um, there's a continuing ongoing criminality on the part of this president uh, by continuing to obstruct Congress and, and in, in the process, obstruct justice. Huh. 
So at the end of the day, you sit on that critical committee oversight and government reform that was headed by the late Congressman Elijah Cummings. That is so tough to say. My dear friend. Ooh, and my Baltimore friend, Native. Ugh, and it's so yeah, tough to we say. We talked every day during floor votes or in committee. Oh. So, you know, I'm, I miss him. I know, I know. Um, he showed a strength that, um, that we've never seen before. Um, he, he was literally dying before us, and he was still committed to democracy for this nation. What what a statement. What a way to... I know. He to, was so principled. Yes. demeanor and the way he conducted himself and conducted that committee, I was just... Yeah. Oh, it's a loss for, for this country. It really is. So with that, knowing him, knowing the process, and being one of the ranking members of that committee, where does oversight stand in all of this with John Bolton and, and possibly going back listening from Bolton. You're saying that Adam Schiff could want to hear from him. Would Oversight hear from him? Well, it would all depend on the direction of Speaker Pelosi mm -hmm. and uh, what she she would direct our committees uh, to do uh, to, to reopen uh, other violations of the law committed by this president or to uh, or to allow for additional hearings, either in oversight or in the intelligence or uh, judiciary or the foreign affairs. Hmm. Well, at the end of the day, um, we're saying stay tuned. The next episode is to come because um, there are so many twists and turns. Now, um, but John Bolton, how important is John Bolton? You said he was in the room where it happened. This is not a Hamilton song or a Hamilton show. He was in the room where it happened, and he and Donald Trump are not getting along. So that means that there's no allegiance to Donald Trump at this point. Uh, I, I think he realizes that, you know, his his future and career may be at stake here. Uh, uh, because at first he told the House that he wanted to wait on the, uh, the opinion of a court. Uh, to determine if he had to testify or not uh, under executive privilege. And so apparently he's, he's had a change of heart, probably based on advice of others, uh, to to actually clear his name. Uh, and, and, and think about it. That's why he described uh, this, this whole process as a, a drug deal. Uh, because he knew it was Ill, illegal in context hmm. and that he wanted no part of it. And so uh, apparently he's having buyer's remorse now and wants to come clean with the Senate. And it may have something to do with the fact that uh, the Senate majority is is uh, of, of his ilk and of his party, the Republican Party. Hmm. So now um, I want to switch gears now to... Something that's very confusing, something that we still have yet to fully understand and comprehend and have the truth um, as we are poised for war. We're on war footing uh, with Iran. We're being asked to pull out of Iraq. There was a letter sent that we would pull out of Iraq if you give us money, and it wasn't signed by the president. The president says he doesn't know anything about it. Everybody's denying it, but sources are saying this was a real letter. Um, and the after all of this, you know, the, the U.S. ordered the assassination of Soleimani, the general, the top general in Iran. We are now saying that we want diplomacy as we're poised for war. 
And the president says that we'll go to war if we have to. We'll fight if we have to. Where are we? Where is Congress on this? I mean, where are you on this? Well, first of all, the president has zero legal authorization to launch an attack against Iran. But he's doing it. He's going to do it without you. He had better come to Congress first or he will be violating his oath of office and the Constitution again. And then let's, I mean, let's think about what you've just described. Um, Let's let's go back to 2001, 2002. In 2002, I opposed the uh, authorization uh, use of of military force. The the AUMF, yes. Yeah, the AUMF, because Mm -hmm. I knew that Bush and Cheney were lying to us. And history appears to be repeating itself. Uh, And I'm going to do all I can to stop this war against Iran. But think about what we've done in Iraq since 2002. Uh, we destroyed a, a one of the most modern countries in that region. Um, and then we had to rebuild it. Then we built the largest embassy in the world on about 100 acres of land in the heart of Baghdad. And so... Uh, we we have spent trillions there, and now uh, we are. Someone has mentioned that we we need to be reimbursed. I'm the nerve of these people, uh, and and I just you know I was opposed to it before, and I'm opposed to it now. And in, in fact, I'm co-sponsoring the War Powers Resolution with Speaker Pelosi, and I'm also co-sponsoring two other anti-war initiatives. The first is a bill by my friend and fellow progressive caucus member, Congressman Ro Connor, which would prohibit any funding for offensive military action in or against Iran. And the second bill is authored by my CBC colleague, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, that would repeal the authorization for use of military force from 2002 and I strongly oppose it then, and I strongly oppose that use of force now. Hmm. So at the end of the day, um, there's no proof about the imminent danger that was days away. They have not given any proof to the nation, um, but they're saying this is happening and that's happening. Um, when I say they, I'm talking about the Trump administration or the president. His credibility and the administration's credibility has been shot early on. What do we as Americans do in the midst of all this? We look to Congress, we look to reporters, we're looking to everyone for truth and to help us understand. But the understanding is now shaded. There are lies. There are certain groups of people who are supporting this president who want to deflect and throw dirt on uh, the former president. Um, uh, photoshopping pictures, lying on people, and and, and and bringing together some unholy alliances, allegedly that just aren't true. How do we, as Americans, really look for the truth and find the truth in the midst of all of this chaos and potential war and loss of life? Uh, here, here's one. Here's some suggestions I have is that 
uh, first of all, Americans have to understand that a tweet does not equal congressional notification from this president. And um, uh, uh, those in my district and districts around the country could could help influence some of these decisions by not just reaching out to their Democratic members of Congress, but reach out to your Republican U.S. senators. Uh, in Missouri, for instance, there are only two out of eight Democratic House members, but and there are six Republican House members and two U.S. senators. Well, those two U.S. senators, we share constituency. They need to hear from our constituents of where they are on this whole issue of going to war with Iran, uh, and 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 that will send a clear message to the senators that um, that the voters are not going to stand for this. Huh. What's the cost for war with Iran? I mean, we know that you know there could be casualties, American casualties. There could be casualties on the other side as well. But what's the cost, not just economically, but to this nation? I mean, we're supposed to be a country that can stand and fight two wars at one time. That's not the case anymore. Um, what is the cost? Well, first of all, we know that in Iraq, for 17 years, more than 4,500 Americans have been killed in action. More than 32,000 troops have been wounded. And we have spent trillions of dollars on a war that was based on a lie. But but when you talk about additional costs, uh, not only will lives uh, and young Americans be maimed and killed, um, but think about where our traditional allies are now. Uh, they don't trust us, and they know that they are going to have to make their own way in the Middle East and in their own homelands because uh, we are so unstable in our foreign policy and in our uh, provocations for war. And and so they don't, you know, I mean, look, they are washing their hands. Look at Iraq. Their parliament just voted to ask us to leave. Uh, and, and, and and they are willing to run the risk of standing ISIS back up uh, and, and, and having to contend with that. But they know that it's more dangerous to have an American presence in that country uh, to, to, to their citizens. And so that's where we are uh, in the eyes of the rest of the world. And, and that says a lot about uh, how uh, our, how respect for for this country uh, has, has really taken a hit. Huh. Anything else you'd like to add, sir, in the midst of I, this unbelievable moment in history? <laughs> I, I just want uh, want your listeners uh, to to realize that um, we we have turned the calendar over. It's now twenty twenty. This crowded field of, of uh, presidential contenders, um, we we as uh, as Democrats in this country uh, need to come to the realization that whomever is finally selected 
as our standard bearer, we better rally behind. And and I'm willing to do that. I had I had um, initially endorsed Kamala Harris. Uh, and yes, you did. I remember out. that. Mm-hmm. And so that didn't work out. But so now I'm taking a a an, an, another approach and allowing primary voters in our party to select a nominee and whomever that is, I will I will rally behind and do everything that I can to see that they defeat Donald Trump. Huh. Is he defeatable now or will he get another term in your opinion? It it depends on the on the level of enthusiasm from this country throughout this country on whether they feel as though it's time to make a change at the top. We made some um, serious errors in 2016 uh, by not rallying behind our nominee Hillary Clinton, and now we are pay- we're paying for it. And and so I I just dread the thought of having to uh, uh, serve in Congress or live in this country under four more years of of this president. Congressman Lacey Clay, I so appreciate you for the honest, frank conversation about what's going on in Congress, what we should be looking to, what's going to happen, what you think is going to happen. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. But I thank you for helping us to break it down and to understand what's going on. And we appreciate you for your honesty and your service. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. And I've always enjoyed coming on. Please have me back. You know I will. And Happy New Year, Congressman Lacey Clay. Happy New Year to you. Love you. Love you, too. Thank you. April Ryan with On the Record with Congressman Lacey Clay. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.